and good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome to all those joining us. I'm super excited to see all of you. As I just said, Duan is here. He's going to be doing our debrief this morning. He's going to tell us all about how he went from a 610, which was his initial mock test, I believe, all the way up to a 730 uh, and pretty much only using GMAT Club. Duan, introduce yourself, buddy. Uh, so I'm 23 years old. I've just finished my undergraduate last year. Um, and I've been working in an industry that's not relevant to what I want to get into. I I've been working in like tech and software, and I want to get into finance. So this GMAT is a, a really crucial step that I needed. Uh, well, that I, I will need because I haven't got my acceptances yet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, that, uh, that all important pivot in jobs. Yeah, yeah, MBA. exactly. Um, well, so I, I'm going for a pre-experience master's in finance. And unlike MBA applicants, I only really have like one year or one like shot, I guess, for the GMAT. Because if I have two years of non-industry experience, then my likelihood of getting into my target universities drop quite significantly. Yes, they do. MBAs usually like five, six years of experience before they want to take it, at least for those in the top 15, the M7, so on and so forth. So that is an accurate statement. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I uh, I, I did a, a mock test, like completely cold. I, I didn't really know much about the GMAT. I just knew it was a standardized test by which everyone gets tested on the on, on the same stuff. And I was like, okay, that, this, is, this, sounds, this sounds pretty good. I, I want to, I guess, prove myself. Um, so I, I took a mock test. I got a 610, which is in the 57th percentile i believe yeah it's a good starting um, so, point yeah so i got pretty pretty average score to start with and i said okay that's I, to be honest i was quite happy with that um starting off um and then i start i began my gmat journey maybe like four or five months later uh when i started doing it seriously i want to go back to you starting your uh from your graduation you've just graduated you were going to consider getting your master's. You you sort of already knew that you didn't want to go in the direction uh, of tech that you want to go into finance. And so you knew, okay, I, I need to go to business school or I need a master's in finance. L let me ask, what, what was the first thing you did? Well, I, towards the end of my university degree, so in the UK, I know in the US it's four years. For in in yep. the UK, it's three years uh, for undergraduate. Um, I kind of USA. felt a bit lost. I didn't really know exactly what I wanted. Um, so I started like looking around for industries and um, I came across private equity, uh, which I was like, okay, this is, this is fantastic. This, this sounds like exactly, this is perfectly suited towards me. Um, and I started researching like, okay, how do people go to, to go into private equity? And I started looking up on LinkedIn, the top companies and I noticed that all the people came to top schools. They all went to like Oxford or Cambridge or Imperial or from Europe, at least. Um, yeah, LSE, London Business School, like all these like top European um, universities. And I was like, OK, well, it seems like the likelihood that I get into a, a, a top private equity firm is pretty low unless I manage to secure a place at one of these top schools. So then my next step was, okay, how do I get a place at one of the top schools? I started looking up, okay, like on the on their admissions website, and they just all mentioned GMAT for some reason. I was like, okay, well, what it was, what is this GMAT thing? Um, and then that's how I stumbled across uh, GMAT, and then I started researching uh, about how to do well at the GMAT and previous stories, and then it became evident that GMAT Club was one of the top resources to improve. And that was very methodical of you. You, so you did the research. And by the way, to answer your question, how do you get into private equity? You sell your soul to the devil. That's that's pretty much how you do it. So in case yeah, anybody yeah. wants a shortcut, that's that's the way. Um, <laughs> so you found this wonderful thing called GMAT, this thing that was going to wreck your life, make it miserable, put you through trials and tribulations you never thought physically or emotionally possible. What was yeah. the first thing you did at that point so you've discovered the gmat were you then googling resources were you saying okay what's the best prep company what what was the next step in that process once you understood you needed to take this daunting exam the first thing i did when i realized i needed to take this daunting exam was do a mock test just to see where i was at 
And which mock did you take? Um, I took the GMAT official uh, practice test one. Excellent. I thought that would be the most reliable coming from the company that actually provides the test. And you were uh, right. And Yep. Uh, and uh, so I scored a 610. A breakdown was quant 47, verbal 28. Um, so yeah, 59% quant, uh, 50% verbal reasoning by uh, percentiles. And that's a pretty um, good starting point. I mean, a 610 first time out of the gate here, That I mean, that shows you have a fairly good level of intelligence. Um, and again, you use the official one, so that was about as accurate as you were going to get. When you did the intro, you said that you took a couple of months to sort of figure things out uh, before you decided to really pursue this fully. Did I hear that correctly? Yeah, yeah. So um, I had a, a few internships over the summer, so I really focused on those internships, and it was only sort of towards the end um, of the summer that I started focusing or really like cracking down and figure out how I was going to tackle this GMAT because I, I kind of knew how I knew I need I needed to to do well. Wow. Okay. So again, you you graduate, you you basically take a mock and say, okay, where where do I stand? And then you start working for a little bit and sort of, you know, you, you don't lose sight of it, but it sort of gets put on the back burner as you begin to build your experience. Um, and by the way, folks, those of you who are watching, there are two free mock tests that GMAC provides. I believe it's still on MBA.com unless they've switched the URL around. Uh, you can download two of them for free. There are, an, I think, four additional ones you can purchase. But those are the best uh mock tests you can buy they're the an actual representation of the test itself so uh duan here did the right thing by going to that and downloading that and subsequently taking it all right so we've gone through our internships by the way how were they did you did you like them did you hate them yeah they they went well so yeah i had one in africa which was uh that's why i mean i'm not a typical applicant uh and then i had another one another one um another research one for the university which then kind of gave me a follow-on contract to build them some software. Um, so it was while I was doing that software job that I started um, doing the GMAT alongside that. But before that, the I knew that I wanted to plan my GMAT out really well before doing it mm -hmm. because I'd read a bunch of debriefs and I, I had heard lots of stories about people not doing it right from the beginning and they'd lose loads of time. So I was like, okay, I want to gather as much information as I possibly can before starting. Um, and yeah, that's that's where GMAT Club did, came in. So you discovered GMAT Club. You were Googling. Uh, our name came up. Was it this hallelujah moment? I mean, were angels singing? I mean, tell me about what happened once you discovered GMAT Club. It was like hallelujah angels were singing when I came across Bunel's ultimate quant mega thread. Um, because it just seemed like it had all the resources I needed um, all put in one place written by the same person so I could get used to his teaching style. Um, and it was free. Like that, that was, that was the main thing. It was, it was, that was free to be honest. Um, yes. 99% GMAT club is free. We do have some paid subscription services, but in general we are a free platform. Actually, I think the first time I, I came across GMAT club, it was, I was watching some YouTube video. I think it's one of these classic YouTube videos where someone goes, oh, I studied for two months and got a 760 or 770. I hate those people. Like, yeah, yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> but it was on one of those who the person was like, oh, go to the GMAT like, club tags and like search by um, question type, which is exactly what I did um, for, throughout most of my revision. I think that was the first time. So it was actually through a YouTube video that I first came across it. But like, even if I hadn't come across GMAT Club on that YouTube video, I mean, it would have been a GMAT Club would have popped up some way or another because it's a, a very large platform. We hope, we hope, maybe not, but we hope. So you've stumbled across GMAT Club. You were sort of, you know, going around. You were figuring things out to a certain extent. Let me ask: When did you? decide okay now is the time i'm gonna recommit myself fully to studying and really bring the hammer down put my foot to the pedal here and uh get going on studying again full time okay so i've i've got so i tracked my my hours so i can, I can tell you like an exact Perfect. date um let me just try and share my screen real quick 
Ooh, we're gonna share screens. But you know, right, <laughs> see how this go. goes. Can you see this? Uh, here, I can I can share that. Yeah, can you put that? There we go. There we go. So uh, here you go. Um, that is the total number of hours I did by day uh, throughout my entire revision. Um, so I really started. It was probably October the thirtieth. Um, that's when I really cracked down. Um, so you see this large gap, this eleven day gap in October. That was while I was working. Uh, I had a lot of work on. I just didn't have, didn't couldn't find time to do GMAT. And then, so I took two months off work so I could like really, really focus. I know that that's quite a privilege and a lot of people don't have that opportunity, uh, but I had the opportunity, so I took advantage of it. And then, and then, yeah, that, that, that's when the, as what, what did you, how, how did you describe it earlier? Um, <laughs> the horrors of GMAC, you putting yourself through some, some extreme trials difficulty. and tribulations. Yeah, trials. This is where the trials and tribulations came in. All of this up here, this was kind of like, uh, not too seriously. I guess five hours a day here was was fairly. How, how long did I do this for? Um, well, so walk us through the color coding here. So red obviously is zero, meaning you screwed up. You didn't study no, bad. Zero hours of revision is yeah. So this is num by number of hours of revision by day. So what was acceptable to you? So I see one is like a lightish yellow. Two is a little bit darker green three were getting a little bit kinder on the green and then so what was the amount you felt was you know green worthy that like yes you've done a good job so actually i i filtered this um in excel so it automatically color codes it for me so i um i didn't assign the colors myself um, oh okay. but what i what i felt was acceptable depended on what i was doing during the day so what i felt acceptable was in four and five hours while i was working um, so that was that was fairly successful during the, this period, during like mid August to mid September, uh, and then workload got got quite heavy, and and then yeah, and then workload got really heavy around this time, and then I took two months off. I rented a room in like a different city, mm -hmm. and I kind of just isolated myself from everybody. I was like, okay, I really just want to crack down this Gmail. I just I I want like 99% of my brain's energy to be focused on GMAT. Um, and that's when this, 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 this period began. So it was really, November was really my crackdown time. And, and you can, I think I averaged 7.8 hours. I think it says, yeah, down here, 7.8 hours a day in November. And then towards the end of my GMAT journey, uh, I didn't want to push myself too hard. It was a bit of a mixture of sort of, burnout slightly um i was just about also, to get to that <laughs> yeah yeah so you can see over here like i burnt out over here um over here and then th this towards the end this was like a purposeful slowdown yep um where i didn't want to be completely burnt out for the actual exam so i sort of turned it down to maybe two to three hours a day um roughly and yeah and that was that was my test day january the third uh, and the day before i, I didn't 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 do any um didn't do any practice i just wanted to relax all right a lot to unpack here but we're starting to see mid-july that you no know, we're di we're dipping our toe in the water the, the creature's reaching out it's kind of pulling you in it wants to drown yeah. you so you're, you're sticking your toes in the water there you're getting a feel for it yeah. and then it picks up again you're balancing your internships and your know every other part of your life let me ask when you started in july just a little bit dipping your toe in the water there what was your goal for a score and what was your timetable were you saying boy if i could get a 750 in two months i'm good or were you saying you know what this, this is probably gonna take three four six months and if i could break 700 i'm gonna be a happy guy uh, yeah the second one so i wanted a 700 that's all i want i was like okay if i get a 700 I'll be very happy because I know how hard other people have tried. I know D Cummins took two years or something like that to to yep. get a seven ten. Um, so yeah, this this actually was kind of while I was I was uh, yeah I was, I was I was in Africa this at this time doing my internship. So I wasn't really focused on GMAT. This I wouldn't say is particularly productive. I didn't I didn't study purposefully during this time. I already started studying purposefully around about so yeah i came this is 
I came back from Africa on the 9th of August. So I'd say from the 10th of August is when my study really began. And so let me ask, was throughout your studying, because you did only take the test once and you got a 730, which beat your expectation. It's a fantastic score. Did your studying habits change or evolve between August and January? Meaning you were doing something and you realized, you know what, this really doesn't work. Let me let me pull back on the reins a bit and you no know, tweak this. Or were you fairly consistent in the way you were studying throughout? So uh, there's sort of two parts to this answer. Um, on like a micro level, it's stayed pretty much the same. Uh, I was doing 45 minutes of revision, then doing five to 10 minutes break, then doing another 45 minutes revision. And I'll just repeat that over and over and then count the number of cycles I did to calculate how many hours I did. Um, on the slightly bigger, like day-to-day -day scale, it did change. Um, I have another, another note I can show revision time. Here we go. So that was my original, original plan. Um, so I was, I had planned to do maths during the, like for the first section. And then I realized, oh no, I need, like my verbal was weak. Um, I did maths first because it was more fun. I shouldn't have done that. I should have done an equal <laughs> like verbal and quant. Um, uh, and then, and then, so yeah, so then it changed. So I did mostly quant at the beginning and then I did mixed verbal and quant together. If I had to do it again, I would study verbal and quant 50, 50 right from the beginning. Uh, and so let me ask, how many questions would you say you were doing in that 45, 50 minute review period? Was it, it you no, know, five questions was it 10 questions was it i i just want our um i i want our audience to understand sort of how much time was you were committing to studying the fundamentals how much time you were committing to taking the questions and how much time you were then committing to revision so i split my study up into several steps the first one was mostly just studying the material and understanding the concepts and how That's long when... would you say that took you to to build those foundations to feel good I'm trying to think of it i give you a figure but i'm not i'm not yeah, i'm not really sure i mean we're <laughs> uh, <laughs> this isn't okay, a lie detector okay. test <laughs> uh okay i would probably say about a third of my time so okay. what, 200 hours to like really like nail down uh, everything. And um, if I can just take a step back further, when you were doing those 200 hours, was it strictly through GMAT club? Was it through a prep company? What were you doing to build those fundamentals? Because a lot of students miss this concept and struggle, it, chiefly a lot of Americans where we say, oh, we're just gonna keep practicing questions. We'll get it right eventually and we'll brute force our way through the test. And that that's not the way you can do this exam. You're gonna fail every time. So how did you build those fundamentals? I didn't use any prep. I didn't, I didn't pay for any courses. I used the Manhattan books for verbal and I used Boonil's ultimate quant mega thread for quant. Which is on uh, GMAT club, by the way. And again, with, completely free. Boonel is a supercomputer AI that was coded by GMAT club and it spits out all these amazing algorithms and things that you know, would baffle even some of the most brilliant physicists of our day. <laughs> I, I can't tell if you, if, is that something that you say is a joke? Was that like actually true? Like, like Bruno's actually an AI? Cause I, I've heard you say that before. <laughs> and until someone wants to come on here and tell me otherwise, I will maintain Bunel is a supercomputer and an AI. So until Boonell jumps on here or until BB or one of the other founding members of GMAT club wants to dispute me. That is the real story. Yeah. Oh, so back to your previous question, when you're asking me how much time I was spending doing the questions versus learning the concepts at first, it was like 90% of my time was spent learning the concepts, but like on Boonell's ultimate quant mega thread, he gives you questions after like, he explains like a very simple concept. And then he gives you a question and then he explains the next concepts, which builds on the previous concepts. How um, dare you assume the gender of our supercomputer? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> that call, call it he, I don't care. <laughs> um, yeah, so I estimated I did about 
four to five thousand questions in total and if you break that down by number of hours i did i think that arrives to around about seven questions per hour which is really okay. not much so i think that shows two things firstly i spent most of my time reviewing reviewing and learning the material yes. uh, and secondly i spent I, I i was probably not as efficient as i could have been during those uh, eight to nine hour revision days why do you say that probably because it's hard to maintain focus for extreme lengths of time throughout the day um, I, th I think if people were revise maybe three hours a day, the, the the amount of the quality of learning is probably going to be higher than eight to nine hours. Uh, but my mentality of doing a high number of hours was that I had the time and I could do three hours of focused work or maybe four or five hours of focused work. Or I could just do like the maximum number of hours I did and I'd probably learn more even if it was less efficient. Um, well, so then let me ask, if you, if you could redo it, we've, you know, reflection is always important. Burnout is a chief problem among test takers. You cited it and you could see it at the end there that there was some burnout. What would you say was your optimal level of studying hours per day? I mean, is it that three to four hour range where you can, you know, get the highest amount of concentrated work? Or would you say it was maybe a little more, a little less? So I, I've got two answers to this question. Firstly, uh, in terms of highest quality, highest quality study per unit time, probably around three hours spaced okay. out. Maybe like maybe like forty five minutes, and then forty five, uh, and then a break forty five minutes, and then I take a break, uh, like a longer break, and then do another forty five minutes and forty five minutes later. Um, and my second part of the answer is on, on like a daily scale, mm -hmm. like to maximize the amount of revision or study intake I can have during one day, I would say, yeah, eight to nine hours uh, is the optimum for me, even though it's less efficient per unit time. Overall per day, the amount of uh, like studying I can do, yeah, eight to nine hours. I found that when I was studying eight to nine hours, so what I'd do is I'd do 45 minutes and then five minute break, repeat that four times, then have lunch, and then do the repeat the 40, 45 minute, five minute break four times again, and, and then have have snack and then do it again uh, and then have dinner and then go to bed um or relax and then go to bed that's what wow. i do and when i did that i was just so focused on the gmat that i just there was not nothing really else like existed in my mind i was just mm -hmm. okay this is what i've got to do and and because like nothing else existed i didn't really get distracted i didn't really question myself like if i was a bit tired i wouldn't go oh i'm tired i'm gonna like watch youtube or mess around like i i even if, I was, even if I was tired, I'd just still sit down and like do a reading comprehension or do whichever I had on my list of things to do. So I found that the more you get into the rhythm of it, the easier it becomes to stay on that path. Mm -hmm. It's like when, once once you fall off like the bandwagon, uh, once I cracked once, so you can see sort of here I cracked once, um, then it became really hard to get back on. Um, so I, I feel like consistency is key. Like, yeah, I think I think I mean everyone says it's consistency is key, but I think consistency is key because it also just takes less energy in total. Because like, it takes so much energy to go from not doing any revision for a few days to then go straight back to doing like a really high number of hours of revision, whereas actually less energy if you just had just revised a high number of hours every day and consistently because then you kind of just like forget about all the other fun stuff you could be doing <laughs> because you're so focused <laughs> on doing the GMAT. Well, so I was going to ask about that um, at some point, but I mean, I I'm just amazed at how sort of methodical and borderline mathematical the approach was and you're bringing it down to units of time per efficiency. Like the, you're looking at a basically, you know, to use a finance term here, you're looking at an efficient frontier curve where you're saying, okay, you know, this is the optimal range. And while I may be skewing a little bit lower here, I know that you know, the overall trend is still positive. I'm blown away that that was how you were trying to measure yourself and how you were going about it, to say the least. Um, yeah. You're going to make so it. I the, mean, way I, the way I, okay, so <laughs> here's like an analogy. I quite like analogies. So when I, when, when I was studying eight to nine hours a day, it's like I was like standing on like this ball. And like every time I would like do something that wasn't really that everything I'd do something that would 
be fun in a way like every time i'd like i don't know have like fast food it's like i was like like taking one step off this little ball and then it would take energy to get back on the middle mm. um every time i'd like spend time watching some some video that wasn't particularly useful um i was taking another further a further step out and the more further and further i step out from this ball the harder and harder it becomes to then like climb back up um I know that's not how everyone like a lot of other people work a lot of other people no. sort of need that downtime and need to um sort of have fun um me for me personally i'm the most efficient at when i just sort of remove any kind of enjoyment um which sounds which sounds uh i know that, that that might not resonate with a lot of people um but it might with some I, so I'm of the personal belief and I'm a pretty big proponent of the idea that you can only push yourself so far, that you need balance in some capacity. Uh, I'm a huge advocate of the idea of working out to just keep your stress. Oh, well, yeah, I did that. Yeah, okay, I, good. I, I, I did that. Uh, I'm a huge proponent of you know, getting eight, nine hours of sleep a night of, yeah, no, make sure that once you're done studying for the day, let yourself unwind a bit with a you know with a movie or videos or reading mm. or whatever helps center you the most. So the fact that you were so purely determined, I mean, borderline machine-like, it's <laughs> it is quite interesting to hear. Well, um, it's not 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 quite machine-like, uh, as you can see from here. I did I did fall off fall off this this metaphorical. You're still uh, studying or... two three hours a day, which is not a tiny amount that's that's a good amount to say and to claim that that's where you fell off i mean that's it's it's an impressive run it really is i think you may be being just a wee bit critical of yourself in that respect mm. yeah i did work out um and you mentioned sleep i i found sleep was so critical i, I never knew sleep made such a large impact on my mental performance but it was very very obvious uh, especially like with quant um, and reading comprehension as well. Like, oh, yeah. I, if I if I had like even like just like seven hours of sleep, six and a half hours of sleep, like then I could immediately tell I'd I'll do a reading comprehension and I'd read the question and then my memory of my memory of what the reading like passage was would be really fuzzy. Whereas if I had slept like eight or nine hours, then it would be crystal clear. We should get this sponsored by like a know a sleeper a pillow company or something if anybody knows anybody like at sealy or tempurpedic or you know one of those can, can you get them in touch with me i feel like we need to get this sponsored somehow yeah. but <laughs> to do on to your point those are things you need to discover and you needed to find the optimal rhythm of how you were going to perform and you found it i found gmat quite enjoyable so really what i meant is i want to shift yes. my my enjoyment focus from like uh, like eating fast food or like unhealthy stuff to the GMAT enjoyment. What you want to do is like replace the fun stuff that you would do normally with GMAT and actually enjoy the GMAT. Like especially quant, I, I quite enjoyed, um, although it was extremely frustrating and I broke a few pens in frustration a few times. Um, overall, it was uh, very enjoyable. Not many people come on here and say, boy, you know, no, it was a hoot and a half. No, it was fun quant. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's like going to your doctor. Hey, guy. Hey, guys. I got I got fifteen injections, and no, they uh they prodded and poked me all over. All oh, was a blast. Don't get yeah. a lot of those on this programming, which is no, not a bad thing. It's just it's unique. Um, so you you enjoyed it, which I think actually probably helped you maintain eight nine hours a day of studying. Because if you're sitting here saying, "Oh my god, I want to blow my brains out going through this." You're not going to do eight, yeah. nine hours a day for three months. It's just not going to happen. You're going to break physically and emotionally. Yeah. Um, I, I also think it's important for people to know at what point they like know at what level of questions they enjoy doing, because I think a lot of people, they immediately jump to these 700 level questions or, or a, a level of question that is higher than what they're really capable of. And because what would they you want recommend to prove they to myself, yeah, because they want to prove to themselves that they are of a certain standard. Like, 
I think I think people should just throw this idea of oh I want to prove that I'm a certain standard out the window and really just like focus on a level of questions where part like the like in between challenging and, and fun um even if that might be dropping down to like 500 level questions because especially towards the start it's really crucial that people get like they get enjoyment out of studying because in the long run that's what's going to carry them through the the long revision sessions um so yeah for me that was for me that was like six to seven hundred level quant usually that's when i like i enjoyed the most i could get into the zone and it's only when i built that momentum up that i then tried like a few 700 level questions um yeah it, Duan, you've hit on an excellent point and it's so important the gmat in particular will bury you if you get easy questions wrong it will it will reward you minimally getting the hard ones right you have to master the fundamentals and you have to get the easy and medium ones right every time otherwise you will not break 700 it's just not going to happen oh so that is a crucial thing to realize and understand Duan, it sounds like you came to that realization and you know funny enough I, when i took Oh, I've taken these tests, as most of you know, LSAT, oh, GRE, pull nine yards. Frankly, I hated them all. Um, <laughs> when I was in these tests, there were questions on there where I'd figure it out and get stuck in a, in a situation and take my time and actually try and figure it out. And I'd get through it again on the test, live pressure, time pressure, all nine yards. I'd be like, you know what? Good for me. That was actually a fun question. It was difficult, but I got it right. And that was kind of fun. So you have to find some enjoyment in it. Otherwise, you're just, you know, you're going to defeat yourself in the end. Um, yeah. Also, like finding like a, a new way to solve a question, I find that really fun. So I'd like solve a question and then I'd try and find a different way of solving it. And sometimes I'd like think of my own ways of solving it. And I was like, oh, wow, that was that was quite fun. It was like, yeah. So um, that, I think that was a key, a key difference between what I do and what I've heard a lot of people, a lot of other people do especially with quant is I would do a question and then, so I wouldn't click on the answer. I'll do the question and then I'll just do the question again, but I'll just try a different method and then I'll do the question again and again and again. So I'd, I'd like do one question, but I'd do it like three or four times um, in as many different ways as I could think of. And so the supercomputer known as Brunel actually hits on this quite a bit where people will message me and say, how on earth did Brunel come up with this? Because it's so out of left field, but it's so much more straightforward than what the traditional method is. Sometimes that's what you have to do to, uh, to get to your end goal. So that's also a fairly impressive adaptation. Uh, let me ask, how often were you taking uh, mock tests? So you took the one at the very beginning post yeah. your undergraduate degree and you got the 610. We're now starting, again, it was July, August, where you started to really pick up steam. And actually, I'll share this again, even though I just took it off. Um, at what point did you start to take mock tests and how consistent were you with them? So I had a quite a different strategy with mock tests than most other people. Right, I, wanted to be, I wanted to be very comfortable with the topics. I wanted to have practiced them a lot. Uh, before going into the mock tests. I think part of the reason was that I didn't want to get too down about it. Um, I'm not sure if that's even like the right way to approach it. Um, but I knew that like if I had studied all this time and then I'd gotten maybe like another 610 or like another 630, I would have been quite down about it. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to prepare absolutely everything. So I had looked, I, I'd, so, my first mock test was three months after I first started studying. So like a month before the exam. So, so um, okay, like the November, December range? Let me, okay, there we go. Um, I was going to say, so we are sharing again, so people can okay, see Okay, mock your... test. Yeah, okay, here we go. My first GMAT official mock test was on the 8th of December. So okay. 8th of December. Yeah. So yeah, less than a month before I, I took the actual exam. Okay. And was this the only mock test you took or did you take a couple between December and that January run up? Yeah, I took four, I believe. Oh, wow. Okay. 
So you basically were doing one a week once you had built your fundamentals, you had built your base, yeah. you felt you were going to start seeing 700s on your mock tests, if I if I you know, have heard your strategy correctly. Yeah, yeah. So the first thing I did was learn all the concepts. The second thing I did was practice the concept untimed. And then I did the mock test, which was a very interesting one because it's my first mock test was my only experience of timed GMAT questions. Uh, well, my, my that first is a very interesting strategy to after. not no, do timed on GMAT. Club. We have those little timers for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get loads of notifications saying, oh, you need to start using the time. But I was like, no, okay. I really just want to learn how to do the questions first. Um, and then I'll think about timing. And funnily enough, on that test, I completely messed the timing up. Um, I spent like five minutes on a question and then like four minutes on the next question. And I had to guess, like, I had to like completely skip a reading comprehension passage. Um, so what, what did you get on that first mark? So I still got a 700 so, somehow. Wow. All right. That's impressive. Uh, but again, so, yeah, so you, I was you didn't have that timer surprised. going off in your head. Like, oh, shoot. No. Got to no, got, got to move along here. Yeah. Well, I had time pressure because I could see the timer in the top corner. And I'd written down like what question I should be on by what time, um, but I didn't have experience solving questions under time pressure, so I didn't have that like like timer in the back of my head telling me, okay, this is the point at which I need to guess, or this is the point at which I need to speed up. Um, so like with quant, I had to guess like five questions or something, um, and I ended up with the same exact quant score as I did uh, that with with the mock test I'd done like several months earlier before I had started studying. And so this brings me to my next question, and I'm so glad you brought it up. How did you feel in that moment, seeing that you had made no improvement on quant? Because you had mentioned prior that you didn't want to take mocks because you didn't want to have to feel defeated and need to motivate yourself to push through walls. Mm. You want just that fire to keep burning hot, knowing, yeah, I know I'm making progress. Mm. Um, what was that feeling like in that moment when you looked in and said, shoot? Oh, well, well, because I hadn't done any mocks uh, since I'd actually started studying for the GMAT, I sort of had no idea where I was at. And I knew I'd completely messed up on the timing on both sections. So I, I was dreading the score popping up. I was thinking, oh, no, three months of revision, like one month until my, my real exam. I'm going to like, it's going to see like, I'm going to see like a 630 or something pop up. And then a 670 popped up, uh, not 670, a 700 popped up. Uh, and I was like, oh, like that sort of took me by surprise. Um, I think my reaction was I just started laughing at it. Um, I, I don't know why, uh, I, I guess in surprise. Uh, so you, you, how did I feel getting a Quant 47 um, after three months, having studied Quant the whole time and not made an improvement? I was completely fine with it. The reason why is because I know the questions I got wrong was because of timing. So there was a very, I knew if I worked on timing, then I'd be fine. I also went back on those uh, mocks, the, the one I got 700 on. I looked at the number of questions I got wrong, and mm -hmm. I compared that to previous ESRs, and they, it, they just didn't match up. So I got a far num higher number of questions wrong on the GMAT official mock test than the same equivalent score on the real test um, would show uh, on the ESR results. So I didn't really trust that I would get a 700 if I took a test at that point on the real GMAT. Ooh, okay. Well, actually, so I guess, because I want some people to hear, did you ever hit that wall where you're like, shoot, how am I gonna motivate myself? Because I'm really struggling to, no, to light that fire to get going. Or did you never have that you know all is lost moment uh, i know you're probably expecting me to say yes i don't think i ever did um, it's, the reason is don't. it's okay to say I, you, I don't... you never had to uh some people don't it's a smooth process no i don't i didn't no I, I never had that because i think i did my mock so late and i was quite rigorous with my study i think the the, the struggle that i had was resisting the temptation to take mocks while I was studying because I was studying all this time and I just had like no idea where I stood like I had no idea if I'd make any like progress there was no tangible visible result that I could see 
so that was the big struggle for me not so much the feeling of defeat a uh, feeling of being defeated i almost wanted to like not take the test in case i, d I didn't want to have to deal with the feeling of being defeated <laughs> <sighs> that that's an interesting conundrum to be in wow well, so let me ask, because again, you know, this goes in line with the motivation concept. You were studying a lot and for a long time. I assume the motivation was strictly, this is the gatekeeper. This is what I need to do to go to where I want to be. Therefore, I'm going to do anything in my power to get there. Was, was that that's exactly statement? what my mentality was. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Awesome. And that's what everyone who watches this video, everyone on uh, GMAT Club should be under uh, the impression of, which is, if this is your dream to get an MBA or to get a master's and this is the thing that's standing in your way, you know what you have to do. If it's not your dream, you can go and say, you know what? I can deal without it. But if you're looking for motivation, you have your motivation in front of you. So I hope that you understand that that is the thing that you should be chasing. But yeah, I think so during the period, during this three month period where I had, I was studying loads and had no idea where I stood. I think watching videos just like uh, the viewers are watching now um, really helped me. And we're happy to hear that you saw some of these videos, I believe, and that you found them to be helpful. Let's now go to, so you got 700. The next mock test you took, I assume it was a little bit higher. Yeah, so I did only timed practice. Like I, I really, really, because I... It was firstly okay. So let's have a look um, again. So we we're. I think no, I think I've already even had it. December up we took the mock. Now we're doing. Okay, time so here practice. you go. So it, here we go. So we took official mock test eighth of December, and then I yep. wrote a note over here saying question grinding with focus on timing, um, and then I bought the GMAT notepad as well. Um, the the like the Ooh, that's crucial. practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would highly advise everyone do that. Um, also I changed my timing. It was no longer 45 minutes, 45 minutes, 45 minutes for quant. I did blocks of 62 minutes because I wanted to get in the habit of of focusing for the same period of time that I would have to in the real test for quant and then uh, 65 minutes for verbal. So I, it, it was timing and endurance that I was really focusing on. I knew the concept concepts. So each day I'd, I'd pick a topic. And uh, I do like three hours, yeah, three hours of arithmetic, then properties of integers, then fractions and all that um, with really just focusing on timing. Um, and then I scored a 760 on my practice test. Okay, so that had to you know, put a smile yeah. on your face. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it, 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 def it definitely did. <laughs> that was on Christmas Day as well. Uh, oh, wow. It was a very, very, very positive Christmas for me. And that was your second mock? Or your last that, so so that was my third mark okay third. um it was my third one because my first was my was my um oh right right, right. So so yeah 610 then three months of revision then 700 then about two weeks of revision and then 760 yes um and then that's kind of where i yeah and then, and then okay so we got 8th of december so you can see during this period is when i was focused on timing and then yep. it must have been around 25th of December. Here we go. 3.5 hours. That was the, that was the test. Um, it looks like you took the day off prior to help maybe. Elias oh up. yeah. Yeah. That's something you need to mention. Yeah. Okay. So I wanted to deliberately sleep poorly two days before the exam so that I could fall asleep quicker, especially under the stress that I would be um, the day before the exam. So I could sleep longer than normal. So I wanted to test this strategy out before going into the real test. Uh, in case it was just not going to work. Um, so that's exactly what I did. So on the 23rd of December, I slept poorly. I did nothing on the 24th of December. I slept really, really well. I think I slept nine hours. Uh, and then I took took a mock test, um, got a 760. But I know that the official, well, I, I read online that the official mocks aren't as accurate on the high end of the scale. Yeah. Um, so I didn't, I didn't fully trust it. Um, but yeah, so that was that was pretty good. And then, to be honest, I think I got a bit complacent. I thought, oh, okay, you know, <laughs> 760, you know, I, I, I must be doing reasonably well. Um, I kind of didn't push myself so much. And then you can see for the last sort of few weeks, I did, uh, what did I average there? 3.5 hours a day? Oh, it's still not too bad. Uh, but considering I had like 
14 hours of 14 hours a week to do or 16 hours a week um it's perhaps not as much as i could have done and then i took another mock test a few days later i got a 710 um yeah the, the official one of the official ones so i got 710 i was pretty happy with that um when did you take that was that on the 30th or the 31st okay i got a bit complacent with my uh tr i think it was okay so geo official mock test i took another mock test here 28th so it's three days after i got the 760 i got 710 on uh on the other gmo official mock interesting that you take um, them so close to each other that's um well, that can lead obviously to mixed results and subsequently to underperformance so my my strategy was gonna it was it was very like okay learn the material practice the material time the material practice the exam that was my four-step approach i'm not sure if that's the most uh, the, the most efficient way of doing it, but that's what I had in my mind. I was like, okay, oh, once I've done all the first three steps, okay, now I just want to crack down and focus on the strategies of taking this particular exam. I, I agree with the first steps. The last one being like, okay, now I just want to focus on the test itself. I'd advise most students to mix in studying with mocks, but yeah. That's just my take, but whatever works for you works for you. Everyone's going to study differently for this test. Everyone's going to see different results. So you took the 710. You said you were feeling good because you were still above your 700 threshold. Yeah. I mean, walk us through test day. You this this was it. This was three plus months of spending your life oh, so isolated. I actually got a 680 as well afterwards. Uh, on on the, the 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 last test before I walked into the exam, I got 680. Okay, so um, how are you so, feeling? Sort of. See, oh, that was not. That was. That was. That was. I, I knew I hadn't slept as well as I should have. I, I could feel mentally I wasn't really with it on that six eighty. Um, so walking into the test, I didn't. I still didn't feel confident knowing roughly where I was because, um, as, as I said before, the number of questions I was getting wrong when I compared the number of questions I was getting wrong to the real GMAT ESR results that previous people have shown they just didn't really match up um so i didn't know but because i didn't know i was like okay well if i spend my time thinking about what score i'm going to get it's not going to help me actually increase my score so why don't i just focus on what i actually need to do so i set poorly two days before the exam i think i slept like five or six hours uh and then i slept eight and a half hours the day before the exam so that worked out quite well um, it was quite broken sleep, so I wasn't too confident. I deliberately didn't check how many hours because I, I sleep tracked with a with one of those smart watches. I deliberately didn't check that. Um, I woke up, did practice, did twelve practice questions, looked over my notes because um, I, I made flashcards uh, as part of my revision. Um, so you, I, you I, I got, up. Yeah, I warmed myself up. Yeah, um, I, was, I was lucky. I got those twelve questions right, and then I, well, I just walked into the exam. <laughs> um all right yeah yeah some of them were like 500 level questions um i kind of de deliberately went a bit easy on easier on the questions because i didn't want to knock my own confidence before going in um so yeah I, I turned up to the gmat test center um my my friend well one someone i met um told me to go to a specific test center because it was more quiet so i did that turned up uh things went smoothly um yeah you just clicking through those screens was, was fine like what one of the one of the one of the screens i had to go back and forth a, a few times because the, the screen width wasn't large enough for one of the um it was a relevant detail um so yeah i started the test and i remember looking at the screen and i was like oh, okay this is actually it there was, there was definitely like i probably lost about 30 seconds thinking oh my god this is actually it um and then I kind of nothing got can prepare you rhythm. for that moment where you click go or it finally flashes and it says welcome to the test and you're to your point your brain has to realize you're you're in a new environment there's no more oh it doesn't really matter I'm just gonna be upset with myself if I get it wrong each question matters and that takes a huge amount of mental fortitude to withstand and get over so yeah uh, that was wave. 
yeah so yeah it's like a wave that hits you and it's like okay there's no turning back you can't you can't like click back on the previous screen like no 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 like it's just like full steam ahead so i was like okay well i could sit there thinking about the fact this is this is the real test or i could just focus on the question so i just yeah i started i didn't think it went particularly well uh for verbal it was it's quite i always find it's quite hard to gauge how well i've done well like whether i've done well or not um that, so... that probably helped you actually on the exam because a lot of people will defeat themselves while they're taking it where they'll say oh my god this question is super easy i clearly screwed up somewhere oh my no my score is ruined at least you have the ability to say i i know what i don't know how i'm gonna go i I can't measure it that accurately, so I'm just going to see how it plays out. Yeah, I mean, it really was sort of just directing my... It was like too little like an angel and a devil. The devil was saying, oh my god, you better not screw up. This is the real GMAT. And then the angel was saying, like, whatever the question was, really. Um, <laughs> and it was just almost like just directing your focus at the right place. Um, so yeah, I, I did that. On my break, I had half a banana and an energy bar. So I'd prepared that in advance to keep my energy levels high. Quant was easier than what I had practiced. Um, so I, I think it, it, I, it felt fine. Also, guys, like gauge the temperature before you get in because I wasted time like taking my jacket off um, in, in the quant section. Um, so yeah, yeah, do that. Yeah, quant section I felt went, went okay. Uh, but I didn't manage to finish, uh, so I I guessed the last question. I remember. Oh, I do you had think 40... that's what the difference was between fifty and fifty-one? Well, I had got four questions wrong, so probably not. Mm. Uh, uh, from past ESR results, I think it's possible. Like I think it's possible to get a Q fifty-one with three questions wrong. Um, but I yeah, mean, it's that three to four line it, when you start flirting with that. It, you're you're close. Really? Okay, that. That's a shame. Yeah, so I had to guess that maybe. So like the first two questions I got wrong, if you look at the ESR, like the the, the difficulty level is like the point goes like above where the where the like the top line finishes. Mm -hmm. So I know the first two questions I got wrong was really hard. The third questions I got wrong was a silly mistake. I still remember it. Um, oh, yeah. Now, you know what? That was probably the one that sunk the ship. Yeah, I mean, the difficulty was still like medium to high, so I didn't completely tank that question. Um, Oh, but anyway, so you've yeah. done it. You you did the quant. You felt that it was easier, and clearly that worked out. You got a Q50. How would you feel about the verbal? I thought it went okay. Nothing spectacular. Um, so, so, like, my mindset was really, like, there's no point thinking about how I've done, like, because the, the computer's going to tell me how well I've done in, like, an hour well, or, like, so two hours. You go through the test. You've gotten to the end, but right before that screen pops up, that shows you your score. Yeah. What were you thinking? I was thinking, how do I click to get to the next screen? I wasn't really aware <laughs> of like how like like how many screens you have to like click through to get to the score. Oh, so, so I was, was really just like, like trying oh, to like wait. click. There it is. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I, was, I was just clicking like next, 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 next. And at some point, I got an error message saying, "Oh, you need to like." accept or cancel the score i was like what and then like i was expecting like some big number like in the middle of the screen but no it's like this small little number and a few lines um and, and how do you feel with the 730 yeah very very good i um yeah i was not expecting it at all i thought maybe 700 um i had to like calm myself down because i knew there were people who were taking the test next to me so i couldn't, <laughs> couldn't, couldn't do some wild celebration which uh i certainly I don't know. It was just surreal. I wasn't expecting it. Um, I mean, but isn't that part of the joy of working so hard for something? And once you achieve it, you yeah, you have that surreal out of body experience where you're saying, "I did it." Yeah. Well, for for me, it's the joy I got out of doing the GMAT isn't necessarily the score. It's just this sort of like underlying confidence that I got that I structured a plan and I executed it and it worked. Like the, the fact that I put so much energy into something and I did better than I expected just gives me so much confidence going forward that 
whatever it is that I'm going to have to face, I can I can tackle. You are an interesting man, Duan. I <laughs> you have to give you credit. Not too many people are sitting there saying, yeah, no, the score is nice, but you know what really gives me a smile? I executed my plan. <laughs> not too many because like, like GMAT's not, it's good. I needed to get a good score. Like I got a good score, <laughs> but like going into the future, it, oh. it, it, I can just apply the same sort of, I, I, it's like the mental fortitude you build. Um, yeah, so that, that the score is nice. It's very, very good. Um, but at the end, it's just a number, I, I guess. It's a number that helps you get into like a, a good school. Um, and you will. You will have your choice of schools. I, I can almost guarantee that. Yeah. Um, but no, I think also because I was never someone that tried particularly hard at school. Like I, my friends and all that would always do better than me. I was never considered like the smart person at school. Um, was that so, because so the of a lack of effort or because of just, I won't, I won't say lack of intelligence, but you just weren't like, no, Einstein. No, I, I'm by no means like super smart or anything. Like I, maybe you, you should fooled it. me. Yeah. Well, I, I, I didn't, yeah. I didn't, amongst my peers at school, I was, I was like amongst the less smart or the less performing. So this is the first time I've really sort of tried hard at an academic endeavor and it worked and that has given me a lot of confidence going forward well i mean i hope you do understand at 730 i want to say ballpark is around the 96th percentile well you, you hit it you hit the nail on the st on the head I, I was gonna go 95 but i'm like shoot if i say 95 and it's either 94 or 96 i'm gonna be pissed so i'm gonna go high yeah 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 <laughs> it's, it's 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 96 um so, so I, i'm very happy with the score only 4% of the people who ever take the exam do better than you. 4%. I mean, what were your friends like at school? Was it Stephen Hawking and I reiterate Einstein and, you know, any other mathematician out there? Because you do seem to me a genuinely intelligent human being and one who is not of the average intelligence level, but no, significantly above that. I don't think I'm in the top. I, if you took all the people on the GMAT, I don't think... I would be in the top 4% most naturally intelligent. So I knew that I had to be in the top, like above the top 4% most hardest working, I guess, um, in order to compensate for that. So that, that's what I was thinking. I was like, cause I knew I had to get like a 700, which is what, like top 13%, not like 90, 87th percentile or something 700's like that. 700's the top. I think you're in the 90th percentile at that point. Yeah. So yeah. So I was like, okay, I'm probably not in the most temp top ten percent most intelligent. So I better like maximize how hard I work. Uh, so I was like, okay, if I'm in the top like maybe like two percent hardest working, I'll probably have a good chance. That was my mentality going into the exam. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is what you need, unless you are a you know someone who is brilliant, which there are. There are people who've come on here and said, I studied for two weeks and got a seven sixty. Well, awesome. You know, you're you're God's gift to the world. You you are clearly brilliant. Most people do not have that level of intelligence, and it's about how hard you're going to work and how badly you want it. If you're gonna work hard and you're determined and you won't let anything get in your way, as Dewan has shown, you're going to get that score. You are going to achieve your goal. I promise you. One yeah, you've got to want it. Yeah, you've really, really got to want it. And I, I did mean, like uh, you you've like really like deeply got to want it. You can't be like, oh, it'd be nice to have a 700. Okay. Um, unless you get, unless you're a genius and you start off at like a 680 or something. <laughs> if you want a hundred point improvement, uh, you've got to really want it. One of my moderators on GMAT club, great guy. He's now a retired moderator because he's going on to bigger and better things. He's at U Chicago booth right now for his MBA. Ladies and gentlemen, he took two years studying, and I've spoken about him prior on other videos. He Two years, and he finally broke through. Think about the commitment he had to give. Think about the work ethic. Think about the fact that this was his dream and nothing was going to prevent him from doing well on the exam. That's what yeah. you need. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a tough exam. I read a bunch of those stories of those people that took many, many years to the GMAT. And I was like, I, I don't have that luxury. I think a lot of these people, they, they study part-time. So I was like, okay, I'm better off like focusing all of my energy 
on the GMAT for a short-ish period of time and then like breaking through in one go than having it like drag out on and on and on and then like affecting me like mentally and uh, of like having several relapses. So yeah, it was, it was, for me, it was like, right, give all of everything I've got and try and do it in one, in one or like several in, in a short-ish period of time. That's the right way to approach it. So I'm going to transition now to some of the questions. Let's see if um, if we have any ones that can be answered. Um, all right. Uh, this one I'll answer really fast. So uh, Locke asks if we could give him verbal mocks other than Manhattan. Um, if you've exhausted your official ones in Manhattan, there's really, I mean, you shouldn't even be using Manhattan to measure your verbal necessarily. Uh, once you've exhausted the official ones, I mean, you kind of just got to roll the dice and hope that you're getting an accurate representation based on the questions you're taking because there's not really anything else out there beyond it. Um, did wait, do did you take GMAT club tests or no? Yeah, I took. I I paid like the the eighty bucks or something for the um, GMAT quant ones, but in, I know the questions about verbal. Right, uh, so the verbal, quant ones I... are great. Verbal sucks. I hope everyone's aware. Alex then asks, uh, "How are you scoring in the GMAT test?" Initially, I was getting around seventeen seven hundred level questions, and my score was changing drastically. But now I have five uh, tests left. So what would you be your recommendation to him? Okay, yeah. So I'm going to get this up. So my first GMAT club test was the day before my first mock test where I got 700. Um, so I got a Q48. Uh, the number of 700 questions, I think I was getting, as you said, uh, you're getting about 17. I think I was getting roughly between 15 and 19, 700 level questions, um, which I found to be a much higher number than on the real test. I definitely found the real test easier. They are more GMAT difficult. Club. I, it, just so everybody's aware, the GMAT Club quant tests are significantly harder than the real thing, purposefully. Yeah. So I got Q48, Q47, Q42. That was a rough one. So I was tired that day. I, I shouldn't have taken the mock. Um, and I got Q50 uh, was my last GMAT Club mock before taking the exam. So, Alok, I hope that helped you. Uh, you also asked which criteria is the best representation of the actual GMAT MBA.com, GMAC, they have the real ones, so you should use those. Uh, Pooja, I'm sorry, again, I'm an illiterate American. Um, he did not use any other prep courses. Um, for actually, here, he's looking for a study buddy. So, if anybody else is looking for a study buddy on this video, reach out to him. Um, I can try to make the error log more interface user-friendly, but to be honest, I'm not a coder, so I can pass on recommendations. Um, last but not least from JP, how did you manage your verbal timing? I guess he's asking, like, were, no, were you strong in critical reasoning and maybe okay at reading comp and then you could spend like three minutes on SC or what was the balance there? That's, that's, a, that's a good question. So... From what I researched, reading comprehension was the hardest one to improve in like a short period of time because... Oh, I disagree with that. Really? Per well, personally, but then again, I, uh, <laughs> I I wrote a reading comprehension guide, so... <laughs> really? Okay, okay. Well, that was my mentality. I don't know whether it's right or wrong. No, um, yeah, right. I shouldn't, I shouldn't critique, so please continue. Yeah, yeah. Well, so... I thought reading comprehension was going to be the hardest to improve out of the three. I thought that sentence correction was going to be the easiest to improve out of the three. So I devoted most of my time towards uh, practicing and timing verbal sentence correction and critical reasoning. Um, because if I managed to reduce the timing on those two sections, it would give me longer to uh, do the reading comprehension passages. Uh, I, so my ESR, I think I spent an average of so I think I spent an average of one minute 30 ish uh, for re sentence correction, which is what I was aiming for. And that would give me uh, a bit of extra time for critical reasoning and reading comprehension, which generally took longer. Um, but I've met some people that they, they average like, like a minute for, for sentence correction, which I don't know how you do. Um, but yes, I don't know, perhaps you're in a better position to, to answer this question. 
I mean, yes and no. I've I was always uh, stronger in critical reasoning. Ironic that I'm an American. I'm a native speaker, and sentence correction was probably my worst uh, subject. But I would always aim for two minutes was the cutoff for any question of any kind, no matter what. So if I was coming up on two minutes and I was still struggling and I probably knew there was no end in sight, that it was just a question that was going to keep you know, kicking me in the butt, I, I was going to guess and just move on. If I knew I was getting very close and could maybe get it in the next 20 or 30 seconds... I would then go forward with it, but knowing that I would have to make it up in some way on CR or RC. Um, so that, that would be my personal recommendation, but everyone's different. So, uh, also, so, um, if you were to, to plot a graph of, um, percent, like accuracy with like how much time you have, um, I think with sentence correction, you're able to like, if you have like barely any time left, you can get a far higher number of sentence correction questions right than you can with any other type of verbal question. Uh, because like with sentence correction, a lot of the time you can read it and, and then just sort of like immediately understand like what's wrong with each answer choice um, or get really quick limitations. Whereas with reading comprehension and sentence correction, you've actually got to read the, the bulk of the passage to even like, even understand like which answers are likely going to be wrong. That's a fair assessment. If you know all the rules or majority of the rules and you can read and you see singular versus uh, singular versus um, multiple uh, SV agreement issues or so on and so forth, and you get that two, three split and you can narrow it down to a one out of three or even a one out of two, I, I would agree that that technically is going to give you uh, better odds. Uh, but JP, glad glad to have helped. Um, I'm out of questions at this point. Uh, Duan, did you want to tell our audience anything or include in this debrief anything that I did not hit on? Uh, so quick tip I got from a friend. Um, the Manhattan Guide suggests writing down one, two, three, four, five, or A, B, C, D, E uh, for the questions. I find it much questions quicker just use my fingers i'll just be like okay this is a b c d e and then like, you just cross them off with your, with your fingers i found that to be helpful for timing because i timing was definitely a struggle for me and you're talking about um just for any question saying okay i know it's not a okay it's not b it's not c yeah, yeah. E. I, I didn't do that for yeah. quant yeah yeah I, did, I didn't do that for quant uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll just go through and then eliminate them and then do this and then and then you can consider the ones that are left and then you just pick one and go for, and just move on to the next question. And, and that is a decent strategy. I was always of the mindset of just like crossing out. No, but I mean, that's on a paper exam. If you can't do that, to your point, just if you have to mentally do that, it creates extra time. So if you can just do. Yeah, because otherwise I'd like forget which ones um, I'd crossed off mentally. Well, Duan, thank you so much for joining us here on a Saturday. Uh, this it was a great debrief, in my opinion. I hope our users got a lot out of it. You have a bright future ahead of you, and you should be very excited about it. So for uh, myself, GMAT Club, Duan, thank you all so much, and we hope to see you soon. Take care, everybody.